Welcome to another episode of Profiles in Leadership. I am your host, Steve Anderson, and we have a very passionate guest today. Mike Eisenhardt is a senior and founding partner of Proactivity Associates, a prevention, health promotion, and population health practice headquartered in New Jersey with field offices and affiliates across the United States that designs, implements, and measures well-being solutions for individuals, employers, and communities. Known as a passionate presenter, a subject matter expert, and occasionally a mad scientist on the move, Mike is regarded as a thought leader in the areas of prevention and reversal of chronic, socially contagious diseases, including musculoskeletal pain, cardiometabolic, stress, de-stress, as well as the associated costs and burdens. He was the winner of the Top Innovators Award in 2013 and the Societal Impact Award in 2018 by the American Physical Therapy Association for his work in pioneering an upstream model of integrative physical therapy care. Mike has trained several hundred physical therapists over the last several years as a lead faculty member of the Institute of Clinical Excellence and with several universities. He is the founding member of the Academy of Prevention and Health Promotion Therapies. Mike is also a husband and a proud father of three, and to no surprise, a very sound sleeper in whatever time he has left. Welcome to the program, Mike. Thanks. Thanks for having me. Hey, so tell us, uh, start off by telling us about your business and, and kind of how you got it started. It's unique, and, and I'd like to kind of hear about how it got started and where you're at now. Sure, sure. Um, so thank you for saying unique and not weird. Um, <laughs> but that's, uh, yeah, yeah. It's, uh, so, so we are probably best uh, described as kind of an upstream practice, right? Our, our, our goal is to keep people healthy and out of the healthcare system. Um, it got started uh, because um, I, I guess I'm a little a little ADHD, and and uh, I, I just wanted something kind of different and exciting when I first got out of school. Uh, we started a traditional practice, and and I just found that I was longing to, you know, work a little differently. And uh, and I was lucky enough to have partners, you know, number one in my in my sister, who's also a PT, who who kind of said, hey, explore that a little bit, and. It turned out that we were working with employers and, and really trying to keep people healthy, and uh, and that's blossomed over the last 20 years into a more comprehensive view of that. So uh, it, it was kind of a random thing that came together, but uh, we just kept chasing it and, and have found it to be real fulfilling. So for those who don't know exactly what it is, just describe it kind of in a nutshell of why it's, why it's different. So in other words, uh, tell me about your setting and tell me about what, what you do and your role there as, um, as a physical therapist. Sure. Yeah. So we have kind of two prongs of the business. The, the first is um, a physical space, and uh, we call that Base Camp. And Base Camp was designed um, to be exactly like it sounds, a place where people come and, and get kind of uh, ready to go on their journey. Um, for us, it's a, it's a health journey um, and kind of a performance journey. So we describe ourselves as a, as a human achievement business, this idea of we're all on this kind of path in life trying to you know, uh, achieve whatever it is our vision is for ourselves. Um, and that our job is to be kind of the home base for, for that. So it's, uh, it's got a fitness kind of side of the business. It's got kind of a nutrition and health, uh, food side. It, it does have some traditional PT that we offer. Um, and, uh, and, and our goal is really to come around people as a team and, and help keep them at their very best. Um, so, you know, think of it as, um, something that looks and feels, uh, like, fitness center 
fuses fuses with Starbucks. You know, it's kind of got that feel to it. You know, you, there's there's a place for people to sit and hang and you know, we have an athletic club that we sponsor and they come in and use the space. And, and, and it's really just about building that kind of place in the community um, that is healthy and vibrant and, and trying to keep people on the right track. So that, that's kind of our one prong. And then the other prong is, uh, which is where I spend most of my time, is working directly with employers. Um, and so what, what we found over the years was that employers have a very big reason to want to keep people out of the healthcare system. Um, number one, of course, cost and, and the cost of healthcare, but also uh, just from a productivity and a culture standpoint. And so what we've really spent our time doing in that side of our business is learning how to do that, how to work with groups um, and, and populations and, and keep them thriving you know, as a group. And that, that's very different than working with an individual. So that's really where most of my time is spent. Um, and uh, we do that directly with employers. So we contract with them directly to provide services. Sometimes those services include uh, physical therapy, but most of the time uh, they don't. Most of the time it just is looking at the whole group, understanding the risks that they face, and then devising solutions to keep them away from those risks. So why do you think physical therapy has just been so slow to go directly to the employers to provide these services that you just described? Um, you know, it's a great question. I, I don't, I don't know why, um, because it seems like such a fantastic opportunity, and, and and we really do have a huge value that we can add there. Um, my guess is because it's it's different than we're used to, right? It's um, the language is a little different, the the outcomes that we go after are a little bit different. Um, it, it it's just kind of counter to what we all know as as kind of entry into what we do. When people say, what, what do you do? And you say, I'm a physical therapist, you almost always think of rehabilitation um, and you think of individualized care, you know, kind of episodic management. And that's really not what we do in that other space. And so I, I think that that does feel different. Um, and so because of that, maybe intimidating. Um, I also just, in my observation, and people have kind of had the conversation with me over the years, and I think people just don't know where to start. You know, they say, hey, I would love to do that. It sounds fantastic. It, it sounds like you know, what, what I thought I was going to do, but I don't even know where to begin. Um, and so I could see where that would, would, you know, be a barrier. Yeah. You know, the first time I met you, um, you were holding a hard copy of Daniel Pink's book drive and you told me that I should read it, uh, which I did. And I loved it. And in that book, he describes one of the most powerful drivers of motivation is serving a greater purpose. So what greater purpose are you serving for yourself? Wow, that is a that's a great question. I thank you for that. Um, you know, I I don't I wish I was it was as clear as I'd like it to be. Um, I think you know I mean for me personally, I, I kind of have my own mission statement, my own personal mission statement, and that is better health for every American in this lifetime. Um, those are the things that to me I, I wake up every day and try to accomplish. Is, is you know I, health is a it's a you know it's a foundational element to quality of life. It's you know we all kind of have the same general goal in life. We want to work hard and earn a living and spend time with people we care about and, and have the capacity to to enjoy it while we're here. And I think health gives us that. Um, and so I wake up every day with that goal of giving that to people. Um, I've been lucky enough to, you know, and I say that completely sincerely, lucky enough to work with people who, um, you know, don't have much in life, but but know that when they have their health, they have everything. Like, like it's a bit of a cliche, but but you can see it on people. And and when we give that to them, and when they experience it, um, it's the most powerful thing ever. So, uh, for me, that that's my personal mission. 
in our business, it's a slight tweak on that, um, which is stronger, happier people through better health. And so, so those two things probably merge. Um, and that's, you know, the, the purpose, I guess I'm serving is this idea that, you know, life is hard. Um, you know, it's not easy. It comes at you fast and, and it can get you down. And, um, and I think that, um, when we give people strength and we give them happiness through health, um, they can live the best version of themselves. And so, you know, there's nothing that's in my mind more profound and powerful than that. And, you know, we live to serve that every day. Yeah, absolutely. And what challenges get in your way when you, um, when you, you know, try and live, uh, live that purpose and do your day-to-day activities? Um, wow. Um, I guess <laughs> how much time do we have? Um, so, so the, you know, the, the challenge, uh, probably the, the most frequent challenges are, are, you know, people telling us it can't be done, you know, like, like that, that's probably the most, the, as far as frequency goes, the thing that we heard the most throughout this journey is, oh, you can't do that. You know, it's, that's not what PTs do. That was the first one. And then it was, well, no one will pay for that. That was the second one. And, you know, like, yeah, is that really what we do every day? You know, and, and sort of sort of constantly pushing back on this idea that we are, you know, purveyors of health as opposed to purveyors of health care. Um, so that that's a big one. And and so you have these kind of this this constant barrage of doubt. Um, and I think that, you know, as I'm sure you've experienced and, and many of the guests that you've had on have have related, that can be a, a tough place, right? Like that to, to continue to slog forward towards something you believe in even in the face of many people telling you it's impossible, you know, it, it can, it can tire you after a while. Um, but finding the strength to keep going forward. So I think that's probably the, the number one challenge. Um, obviously a little more granularly, a little more specifically um, pavement is, is a definite challenge. You know, we, we have this healthcare system where we, we pay for treatment, we pay for procedures, but we don't pay much at least to keep people healthy. Um, I'll never understand that, uh, you know, but mm-hmm. it, it's the reality we live in. So that, that's probably the most tangible challenge. And, and the one that we hear from others that want to get in the space is, yeah, but how do I get paid? And yeah, it's very real. So do you think from a leadership perspective, when people say you can't do this or this is not possible, is that, uh, is that a trait of yours that just makes you want to do it even more? Or do you just have... Uh, uh, such a vision that, you know, people can say what they want to say, but you're going to do what you're going to do. Um, well, I think if you ask my mom, she would probably tell you that there's a fair streak of defiance in there somewhere. (laughs) Um, yeah, yeah. So that's motivating, you know, a little bit like when someone says it can't be done and well, watch us, you know, (laughs) tell that to the people doing it. Um, but no, I, I would say that that's not a huge driver for me. I mean, there's without a doubt, um, you know, candidly some satisfaction when, when we do do it and we say, Hey, you know, what do you think of me now? That kind of a thing. Yeah. Um, but that's very fleeting, uh, for, for us, it's, it's, you know, the, the, the thing that moves us the most in, in our practice as a, as a team is, you know, when we see people make a life change, you know, when we hear the stories, um, you know, someone who just took control of, of their health and, and what, how many ripples that had, how it affected their kids, how it affected their partner, how it affected, you know, their life. I mean, you know, that's enough to, to kind of spur you on. Um, you know, I'm not much of a golfer, but you know, the way I kind of have played golf in the years is like every time you hit one decent shot, you believe you can do this. Yeah. And so you'll play crappy for the next six rounds and then maybe you'll hit another good one. That, that's about how we, we see it. <laughs> yeah. So it's the small successes that, uh, make huge differences. So it's just intriguing to me because I think that we, you know, we go through our lives and, and so many times people often, um, 
older than us and with more experience than us or, or whatever, you know, we'll, we'll say, no, you, you can't do that. Or that's, that's not possible and whatever. And it just intrigues me that, that some people just have that ability to hear it and listen to it, but not have it affect them. And then I think others, it must affect them. So it's just, uh, it's just interesting what personality trait there is that, that allows people just to say, okay, I hear what you're saying. Uh, I'm, I'm trying to listen to you, but, uh, you know, uh, you're full of crap. I'm going to do it anyway. <laughs> you know, so it's just, <laughs> so it's just interesting to me. What sacrifices have you had to make to get where you are today? Yeah. Um, it's a great, it, it, it's wonderful. Cause I think that's the essence of leadership, right? Is, is this idea of serving and sacrificing for something, you know, that you care about. And I mean, you know, I, I guess to a certain extent, um, one of the big sacrifices is the commitment it takes, right? I mean, the, the willingness to slog it out day in, day out, year in, year out. And, and, and that some of the things you miss out on are, are, are little things, right? Just the sheer amount of time and effort that it takes. Um, you know, you know, I, I probably don't get to, or, or didn't, it's better now, but I probably didn't get to spend as much time with my kids as I would have liked to when we were really just starting out. Um, I probably didn't give, give the same amount of quality time to my, my wife, my family members, you know, th those are things where, um, you know, when you're fully committed, it, it's like everything you live and breathe. Um, certainly, you know, traditional in the traditional sense, wealth, you know, I mean, we're, we're not in it for the money. And although, um, you know, I, I certainly think we're, we're doing okay. We're, we're surviving. Right. But, but the reality of it is, is that there are probably a whole lot easier ways to make money if that's, you know, what drives you. Um, so, you know, uh, vacations and things like that are, are things of, you know, that sound really nice, but often don't get done. Um, but so, so those are kind of the material sacrifices on, on the flip side, to be honest with you, I, you know, you get, I I've gained so much more than, than we give, um, that most, most of the days I feel like the luckiest guy, you know, in, in the profession, you know, like, like sometimes I just say, I can't believe this is what we do, you know? Um, so, yeah. so getting, yeah, uh, they don't feel big. Yeah. So getting back to your family, you know, you said you felt it was a sacrifice that you weren't there as much. And, and, you know, I, I, I sense a little uh, regret there, you know, but, but if you asked them, would they say that that was a sacrifice? Um, yeah, I don't know. I, I doubt it. I yeah. mean, cause, um, cause that's been my experience too. I know that as leaders, we often feel that way, but then when you go back and you ask, you know, your family members, was I not there? What did you feel like I was never around and, you know, whatever. And, and I think a lot of times they say, no, I never felt that way. I, you know, it just, it, you're doing what you do. And, and uh, we knew that's part of it. And, and so I, I think we beat ourselves up much more on that than is probably, um, legitimately, uh, real. It's probably fair. Yeah. I, I, I doubt it. I mean, I, I would tend to think that latter part about, you know, this is just kind of who you are and, and, you know, I mean, they definitely support that and want to see the success of it. So, yeah, yeah. it's a good insight. Yeah, and it's also interesting, too, that I know that a lot of times people say, well, when you get into these bigger leadership roles or you get into ownership roles, that that takes so much more time. On the other hand, I've always felt like, yes, but then you have control of your time. So, mm -hmm. you know, you can schedule things out. And, yes, maybe in, in the quantity of it, um, it takes more time, but at least I can control it in the sense of, 
you know, if I need to get to my kids' uh, afternoon uh, sporting event at 3 o'clock in the afternoon, I can schedule out of that. Whereas if you're working for somebody else and you're not in a leadership position, that's pretty darn, that's hard to do. So it does give yeah. you flexibility when you're in leadership positions, I think. I would agree. I would agree. It is, it is a, that is the, the, the real value, you know, of being able to say, Hey, I just, this is how we're going to have to run it this time and having that control for sure. Now, when you uh, talk about your business and, and you, you keep using the word us, which is admirable. So tell us about us. Who's us? Uh, tell me about your team and who else is making this uh, work for you. Yeah. Yeah. Well, so I have a, <laughs> I have a team of misfits, um, you know, people who, um, who kind of believe in this, this push. And, um, you know, it, it's, uh, it's an interesting thing. I guess you would almost describe it like concentric circles. Um, because some of these folks are people I've known my whole life. My, my younger brother, Eric is, um, is a partner of mine. My sister, Amy, who's also a PT is a partner of mine. Um, you know, um, my sister and I, and, and my dad actually were who started our business. We all, you know, threw a, a whopping $1,000 into the pot and decided we were going to start a business. Um, so really bootstrap. Um, so, so my dad is kind of a silent partner at this point. He's not super involved. Um, but then we've also added a couple of partners along the way, uh, a guy by the name of Justin Bagley, who's another PT and a guy by the name of Nick Faff, who is, um, not a PT. He's actually an, an engineer by background. And, um, and so they, they are, that's kind of our core team. And when, when I speak of us, you know, I guess that would be probably the first layer. And then, you know, we've got some, uh, another whole layer or two that we've kind of added over the years, but those are really our, our core players. And, um, and, you know, each of them have been with me chasing this dream for, <laughs> you know, for yeah. at least 10 to 12 years and, you know, 20 for some of them. And in the intro, we, t I talked about how, that you have trained hundreds of physical therapists across the nation. So uh, tell us about how that training occurs, and then are they affiliated with you and your business uh, after the training, or is that just a teaching part of your business? Um, so, yeah, so, so some of some of them are affiliated. We, we started maybe two, I guess maybe two, two and a half years ago. Um, you know, I, I've been doing lectures and things for DPT programs and, and you know, various APTA components for, for a while. Um, you know, people have, have often flagged us and said, hey, this is so unique. Would you be willing to tell us about it? And, you know, of course, I'm happy to do so. Um, but then about two years ago, um, I was approached. Uh, uh, Jeff Moore, who, who owns uh, Institute of Clinical Excellence, which is a continuing ed company, asked me, you know, would I build a course out on some of this stuff? And um, and so we started doing that. And I, and I started sort of a, a, an organization that's connected to that. Um, Called the Academy of Prevention Health Promotion Therapies. So, so that group sits under our nonprofit side, and it was really just a chance for me to to, to try to spread the message within the profession some. Um, so that's just teaching. We we just do you know sort of an introductory level stuff and some deeper stuff to teach people how to think this way, how to practice this way. Um, so just like any other continuing ed approach. Um, some uh, of those will sort of self-select and decide that they want to really get into this space and, and need support uh, in doing so, and we'll, we'll affiliate with them. Um, and even some have gone even further and actually opened under our brand, um, opened an actual health-facing practice under our brand. So, so we have kind of almost three levels, some folks who just learn the concepts, others who, you know, almost white label want to support network, and, and we, we do that. Um, and then others who really want to go all in and kind of do it our way. So, yeah. Sounds like you got a lot going on. How, how do you get it all done? 
that's a, every every leader's question, right? Like the um, I I don't. <laughs> so okay. so the first. The well, first that's a good is, honest course, answer. You know, yeah, that's great. You yeah, don't oh, yeah. it's yeah. don't don't uh, yeah don't have the impression that yeah I get everything done I want to get done, but uh, yeah I mean how do you get done the important things? Yeah, well, I mean, for for me, it's um, and and I thank you for for noticing the use of us and we because that that really is important for us. I mean, we have built a a really strong group of folks who are really committed, um, and that's everything. So our team is, you know, I would put my team against anybody um, in almost anything, just because we are so well connected, and we 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 almost you know we we kind of achieve that group flow idea pretty often on some of these you know wacky approaches to getting people healthy. Um, and so that is, is all of it. I mean, I'm, I'm at a point now, thankfully in my career where, where I really do get to be almost fully focused on leading, um, which is awesome and amazing. Um, but that's, you know, it's a long time coming. I mean, we, we've worked really hard to be a build team, uh, on the flip side. Um, you know, I mean, it is hard. I mean, when, when, when you're as enthusiastic about things as I am, you know, every little thing catches your attention and you want to chase it. Um, so that's been probably the one of the biggest learning, you know, opportunities for me is to stop and say, no, what's really important here. Let's, let's go after that one and let's take the foot off the gas on the other one. Yeah. And, and in that, um, you know, learning as you go and so what have you learned in the last say couple of years that you sure wish you knew about 10 or 20 years ago? Um, yeah, I mean, I, I think the, the, the power of, of community and connections has probably been the biggest thing for me is, you know, I, I, you know, I, I guess in my early years, my first five years trying to do something, I, I just felt like you could run faster and run harder and be alone if you had to, and just power through, you know, that was kind of my mentality of like, we'll just tough it out. We'll just go through. And, and you just come to the conclusion that not only is that impossible, but the quality of the effort suffers. And yet when you can leverage people and, and their own gifts, talents, and desires all towards some common good, I mean, it, it really is impressive how much can get done. So I think that's probably the, the greatest learning is this idea of, you know, leader as guy charging the hill, you know, with the flag in his hand, that is no longer my thought. And it's much more guy behind the amazing people supporting and connecting and, and trying to ask good questions. You know, when you look at, uh, you know, I, I've known you for a while and I've seen you speak at events and I, I, you can just feel the passion and the excitement in your voice. I can also sense some frustration, you know, with, with how things take so long and, and, and so on. And, but, but what advice do you have to newer professionals that, that want to feed their greater purpose like you described earlier um, and just not really knowing where to go? I mean, what, what, what advice do you give to these new professionals to say, you know, hang in there and, and, you know, you can create something like I have, which was, uh, unique and, and, uh, innovative and, and something that, that wasn't just something you could point at and say, that's what I want to do. Yeah. Um, it, I, I think there is really something to be said for, you know, almost what you described earlier about not, not beating yourself up if you're not perfect. Um, th this idea of endurance and, and making, progress every day toward, toward your vision, but understanding that we're, we're really running a marathon here and, and there's no reason to feel like you have to have it conquered, you know, in, in the first three years of your career. I, I, I have a, I feel for, for folks, especially now, there just seems to be such this, this pressure to 
you know, achieve, you know, mastery as soon as you're out of school. And I just feel like that's such an unrealistic expectation. So um, if there was anything that I would try to convince somebody who's trying to go in that space is, is, you know, go at a pace that you can go for a long time, you know, really think of it as sustainability more so than, you know, than max effort. And, and I think that that, that seems to win in the end, you know, people who are in the game longest usually seem to win. <laughs> and, yeah. uh, and I, yeah, I don't know. I never would have thought that, but that's certainly seems to be the case. Yeah, I, I do sense that too, that uh, I would spoke at a lot of PT schools as well. And one of the things I would say is, you know, don't take this wrong, but, um, you know, with the 10,000 hour rule, you guys are just starting your, your 10,000 hours. Right. It's going to take a, a long time to get there. And so you can't expect to be a master right out of the gate. Yeah. Yeah. It, it really does. You can, it's almost palpable, right? I mean, you can really feel it where there's just this expectation of, you know, being at your best right away. Wow. I don't know. That's, that's high, pretty high bar. Yeah. And, and not only being at your best, but also finding that perfect, you know, uh, that perfect position that just feeds all the things that you want to feed it. Um, and just realizing that all the experiences along the way add to what you become mm. down the road. So even though, even if they're not great experiences, they still shape you. They still are a part of what you develop into. And you have to, as I always say, you know, trust the process a little bit. You, you just can't always jump right in. You need to trust a process of getting there, even though the line, the line may be very crooked, but you get there eventually, hopefully. Yeah, it's really well said. The development approach really, I think that is, it gets lost on people, right? That every single day you're, you're, you're paying some tuition and learning something and which is making your, you know, your richness even richer. So yeah, that's, that's really well said. So you said that you have three kids. Um, what, what are their ages? I have a almost 18 year old, 17 year old. I have a 15 year old and I have a 12 year old. So oh. I have uh, two girls and a boy. Now you talk about leadership skills. Um, what have you learned as a parent that have helped you become a better leader? Well, I've learned a tremendous respect for my parents. Um, that, that, uh, you know, you, it is amazing. I, um, I, I often tell my parents, I, I have no idea how you did this. <laughs> yeah. With, you know, I have three, I'm one of six. So, so they had six. So that was the, probably the, the first thing I've learned is, Oh my gosh, this is, this is hard. Um, but, um, you know, in, in, in all sincerity, uh, what I've learned is, is, um, a, everybody is completely different, right? Like, like, like the makeup of each individual truly is individual and unique and taking the time to understand that uniqueness pays enormous dividends. Right. So, so if I, if I talk to my oldest daughter, Lauren, you know, in the same way or try to approach a topic the same way that I talked to my middle daughter, Alyssa, it is completely different outcome um, just because they're so different. And, and of course that's not even to mention my son, Andrew, which is like another, you know, it's like also completely different. Um, so, so yeah, they, that I think that that willingness to listen, learn, and understand—they've really taught me that. That you know, there is no mold. <laughs> you you know, you have to really, you know, get to the bottom of it. No, I I just couldn't agree with you more. I think that, you know, that's what really leadership is—is is looking at getting to know people that you lead and treating them in what helps them become successful, and and helps them become the best at what they are and it's all different. Nothing's worse than the coach or the teacher or the leader 
he tries to treat everybody the same so it's fair. You know, it just uh, it just doesn't work. And so building those relationships and getting to know people at a deeper level and then finding out what the little things you can do to make the big differences, I really think is the key. Yeah. So what, what is your what is your love of ultra endurance competitive events and so on? Uh, how does that feed your soul? Well, that's a that's a great question. I, you know, honestly, I think I think the thing that I like about it is one um, understanding that the complexity of it, like that you can't control it. You know, there's something there to me, the idea of having to give up control um, because you know that even if you think you've got everything dialed in, something could happen outside of your control. Um, And then yet within that context, being able to then test yourself and say, okay, like, like today is going to give me something that I'm not expecting. No matter how well I've prepared and trained, something's going to happen that I'm not ready for. And now it's really a question, you know, of your own spirit, your own desire, you know, are you willing to drive through? Um, so I, that's really what I get from, I, I obviously uh, the mastery of it is, is something that is, um, really intriguing to me, but I think I probably could get that in lots of places, right? I mean, learn an instrument, uh, you know, do artwork. I mean, all of those things kind of speak to mastery. Um, but for, for me, endurance athletics is something that allows you to deal with the complexity of a situation and then test yourself as to, you know, did you get to the other side? Did you manage it? Yeah. And I wonder if, uh, do you think, uh, the way that physical therapists, uh, are, are taught or that, you know, the, the, the type of field that we're attracted to and whatever, do you think that helps in that arena? Do, is there something uh, that physical therapists are good at and, and can excel in those, uh, endurance type of uh, situations? Well, there's certainly something to be said about understanding yourself, right? And, and being able to know sort of where you stand and especially, you know, being in pain. Um, many of these events feature some level of pain, right? So so understanding like, am I injured? Am I in pain? Um, and, and that, I, I lean on that tremendous amount. Um, you know, so that that's very, very big. And it just, it... You know, just in the news in the last few days, we heard about this physical therapist that uh, got lost on a hike in Hawaii and spent 17 days in the in the Maui jungle and survived. And it just really intrigues me of, of how she got there. And she just kept saying on the news uh, uh, newsreels that she just chose to live. And then she just really kind of understood what 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 she needed to do to do that. And I think that's really intriguing. It's uh, interesting to to. Uh, see something like that in the news and then know it was a physical therapist and, and did that contribute in some way to her, her making it, so to speak. Yeah, that's really awesome. Yeah, so um, tell me, uh, well, getting back to that too, uh, for those who don't know, uh, what are your endurance uh, um, activities, ultra-endurance activities? What do you like to do? What, what's your thing? Well, so I've, I've done a little bit of, of everything. I... I um... My, probably my favorite is I, I like long course triathlon. Um, I haven't done it. Admittedly, have not been able to race in years. Um, that was kind of one of those sacrifices. You had sort of had to make that decision of, well, we give up the sport for a few years until my kids are old enough where I can put time where, where it, it belongs. Um, and so, uh, but that's one that I, I find to be probably that has the strongest pull or call. I really like uh, long distance running trail events as well. I've only done a couple of them, but I, I really like the, 
the culture of it. It's, um, you know, it's just a very relaxed and cool group of people. So um, I, I enjoyed that a lot. But those are probably the two. Um, cycling for me is, is awesome. I, I prefer to do that actually just go out and do it by myself. Um, so I don't, I've never done any kind of cycling only events, you know, like a Peloton or something, but, um, but, but I do enjoy just kind of the ability to get out and almost get away quickly. So all three of them, you know, are, are probably my faves. And what do you think is the, is the most important piece of that? Is it the mental or the physical part of it? Well, I think that's probably why I like the, the triathlons the most. Um, you know, the, for me, the swimming is, is very much a, a mental focus. Um, it's a skill, you know, it's putting your time in, it's developing the skill. Um, it's not particularly fatiguing, I guess, because I'm, I'm, I'm not super fast in the water, but, but I've, you know, I've literally had to talk myself down from getting too excited in mid water, right? Because, you know, there's just so much emotion that goes on in that. Um, and then of course the biking is, is a little closer to a hybrid. There's some definite skill and some mental, toughness there, but there's also, you know, a a lot of physical abilities. And then of course the running to me is, you know, I think of that as, although still skilled, the least skilled, it's more just pain tolerance and, you know, mental toughness and the ability to just grind. Um, so, so that's, I think that's probably why I like all three because they, they really each give you something different. Yeah. That's, that's, that's really interesting. So tell us a little about your leadership roles in um, in APTA. I mean, you're involved in both state and national uh, association activities. So what uh, uh, what are you doing, and, and um, what what have you learned from those experiences? Yeah, right. So right now, I am um, I have one more year in my term on the national nominating committee. So that's probably my most formal role, um, and that is uh, has been a blast. I've really learned quite a bit about both the process and then also um, it's such a neat role because you get to meet a lot of the leaders and, and kind of hear their perspectives and learn from them. So that, that's been a really, really cool thing. That's a three-year term and I'll be entering my third year actually next month. Um, so that's, uh, that's my most formal role. And then um, APTA has also um, been, been really gracious and, and kind of tapped me on the shoulder for some things that are associated with you know, some of what we talked about before, getting getting therapists to work with employers and, and working toward population health as a as a viable strategy for therapists. So um, that's been something that's been a little less formal, um, more like task force oriented kind of stuff and, and work group stuff. Um, but but it's been a neat thing for me because it's really allowed me to, you know, to explore that for the profession and not just something that we do locally here. Um, so th- those are the those are the things I'm currently working on. Um, unfortunately, because of that, I've really had to put some of my state level stuff on, on hold. It's just, you know, too many things and too many balls in the air, but, um, but yeah, that's, that's been kind of my trajectory. So you're a visionary and and what needs to happen in healthcare or physical therapy so that we can help people live these healthier lives? I mean, you described it a little bit earlier when you talked about your business, but what, what major change has to happen to, to really move the marker on that? Well, I mean, I, I think there's a couple of things, right? So obviously there's no simple, easy solution or, or would have been done. Um, but we ultimately need to make health, you know, the idea of like vibrancy and quality of life and all that accessible to everyone, right? We, we need to sort of democratize health, make it so that it, it really every person can achieve this in life. Um, and I think that what that means is we have to find solutions that are simple and scalable um, and, and put some effort there, right? So, so be able to get, um, you know, sort of 
health facing solutions, things that help people get healthy and stay healthy to the masses, which is very different than give a lot of intervention to the few. Um, and, and that shift, I think, is about the only thing, probably the easiest way for me to liken it to anything is, you know, you hear people like Bill Gates who say they want to put a, a computer on every desk or, you know, um, you know, I don't know, maybe it's Henry Ford or somebody who said they want every, a car to be in every driveway. It's that kind of a thing, right? We want, we want every single person to be able to access and, you know, achieve some level of, of health and, you know, that total quality of life kind of thing. Um, and I think what that really means is we need to make it like less expensive per unit and probably simpler. Those two things are, you know, it's, it's hard to be healthy in America. Um, and it's very hard if you're going to try to do that through the traditional healthcare system. And so because you can't, almost no one can afford it. So whose responsibility do you think it is? Is it the government's? Is it uh, individual responsibility? Is it healthcare providers and executives? Well, I mean, I, I personally think it's everybody who's got a heartbeat. I mean, I, I think it's it's just it's it's if you're human, it's responsibility for you to look out for you know, other humans. I, I don't think we all have to own it. And I certainly don't think, you know, I don't want to get too far on the political side, but like, I don't think we have to discuss whether it's a right or not. Um, but I do think that if you're an American and, and you believe in the pursuit of happiness, I, I don't know that you can have um, an honest discussion about the pursuit of happiness without health being in the equation. You know, and so, so if we really believe in kind of the fundamental, you know, designs of, of our country and believe this idea that everyone has you know, the, the right to pursue happiness. Um, I, I don't know how you could do that if you're, if you're not healthy at some level. Um, and so, so I feel like it's an all play. It's, it's everyone. And it probably should be, we, we should probably have so much invested in it that we can stop talking about it, <laughs> that it just right. becomes the norm. Yeah. yeah. That's really well said, really well said. You know, I remember uh, back, uh, it's been quite a few years now, but um, you were uh, one of the speakers at the Graham Sessions for what I believe speeches. And uh, I just remember it uh, as you saying, oh my gosh, I've been telling my wife for years, just give me a hundred people in a room and let me tell them what I'm thinking. And you had that opportunity and I remember it uh, uh, very well and it was, it was just an amazing talk. Looking back on that, has anything changed from then? When you gave that speech and when you kind of made your point, do you think we're any better off than we were? And how long ago was that? Was that like seven or eight years ago, maybe? Yeah, it has to be. It has to be between six and eight, I would think. Um, and and I, I do. I think I think we've made some progress. Um, I, I think the the tricky part is is that the rate of you know, and I don't say this negatively, the the rate of degradation as things kind of crumble, I think around us we're making progress, right? So it's almost like it, it kind of offsets and it feels like a neutral, like almost like a net neutral. Um, I, I think the mentality has shifted in our profession. I really do. And that's the most exciting thing. Um, more and more people, you know, are, are now embracing the idea and the mindset, which is very different. You know, when we first started kind of banging on this drum, um, I feel like people, you know, I say it jokingly now, but I, I, people really did think we were crazy. And, like and it was like, when you, know, you say nuts. when you say banging on the drum, explain that to those that weren't there. Yeah, j just that just that physical therapists um, specifically, you know, are, are really well positioned to make major change in the way healthcare is done. Um, that we, you know, that we have the tools. You know, I mean, even if you just use exercise, like we have the tools to prevent and reverse the diseases that we face. 
that is powerful. I mean, that's that's revolutionary. Um, and and if we can dose it correctly and get it to the masses, it's also inexpensive. Um, so so we can make a major change in how uh, the quality of life of our peers and countrymen are, are you know are being experienced. I mean, that that's that's amazing. Um, so with that in mind, it's like, well, like then why aren't we? You know, like like why aren't we doing this? Why isn't this right at the front of our priority list? Um, and so I think that's where the you know, the, the enthusiasm comes in, but, but yeah. So, I mean, I do think it's changed though, because they're, I mean, at least at the mindset level, I still think we're far away from it being normal, you know, but it's now not crazy anymore. (laughs) That's good to know. Right. Uh, looking (laughs) at it from the opioid epidemic, it's, it's, you know, have you seen in your clinical practice or your, uh, I guess clinical isn't the right word, word in your practice that you do, um, you know, to your communities. Have you seen uh, real life examples how physical therapy made a significant difference by um, taking that approach versus the, the the drug approach? Well, I mean, w- without a doubt, um, you know, we see it in our in our clientele. You know, they they will often, you know, I mean, th- these are hard subjects to talk about, things to dive into deeply. Um, but we see it when when people, I think realize that both they can trust us, you know, as a professional, like, Hey, I really, I can, you can go deep with me. And then on the other side, um, understand that the science actually supports it. Then I think they're willing to experiment. Um, you know, I, I've told the story before and, um, and, and it was, you know, I was honored just to sort of be a part of the conversation, but, you know, we had a patient who came in and was referred by a doctor and she really told us of a situation where she was, you know, really, really being in, in a challenged space from a mental health perspective, you know, um, really kind of catastrophic acuity and, uh, and, and used exercise and used therapy. And that got her at a space and a place where she could sort of approach her day. And, and although small wins over time got her there, it like it unlocked something for her. I mean, that is powerful stuff. I feel like PTs have those, you know, conversations all the time. Um, yeah. And I think we can unlock that for a lot of people. Yeah. Well, I know you to be a, a, a lifelong learner and always uh, just devouring uh, um, uh, books and so on. So what are you reading these days? What's, what's, uh, what's excited you lately? Wow. Yeah. So I, um, <laughs> it's true. I have kind of like this book collection scattered around my house. Um, it's a, uh, a bit of an obsession. I, I, Lindsay laughs at me a lot. Anytime I go Anywhere in an airport, I usually wind up with a book. Um, so right now I'm reading uh, The Second Mountain by David Brooks, um, which has uh, been, been really cool. I'm almost through that. Um, I, I have a couple of audio books that are, uh, you know, I'm, I'm kind of regurgitating. One is Why We Sleep by Matthew Walker. I, I've listened to it and listened to it again, and it's fantastic. I think every PT should be listening to it. Um, I just started, um, I think it's called, uh, Braving the Wilderness by Brene Brown. Yeah. Great um, book. I've read and, it. Yeah. That's awesome. Oh yeah, yeah. Yeah. That's I'm, I'm, I'm pretty pumped about that one. That's it just started it, but, um, and then actually Daniel Pink's, uh, you know, book on timing Yeah, is, is one that, uh, one of my colleagues passed off to me and said, Hey, I think you'll, yeah. you'll like this. So th- those are the four that are currently, um, part of the way through. <laughs> yeah, that's awesome. That's awesome. Well, Mike, usually about this uh, point in the interview, we ask uh, for a pearl of wisdom. Now, we've talked about a lot of things, and there's a lot of pearls in there, but but if I were to ask you, uh, what can you leave us with today as a pearl of wisdom as it relates to leadership, what would you say? 
Uh, I mean, I, I guess I would say, um, again, if, if you're in, in this space, right, if you're in the space of, you know, physical therapy or, or care of any kind, um, and, and you're leading in that space, um, just never forget you have the power to change the trajectory of someone's life. I mean, we sometimes get so deep into the weeds that we forget to step out and really zoom out enough to know that, like, we can change lives. We can we can put people on a road for the better, and that is the most powerful thing that, that anyone can do. And so if we – at any level, if we have a calling to be healers, um, you know, conservative care professionals and PTs have the ability to do it. So do it. Yeah, I mean, we, we are blessed in that sense in this profession. I mean, if you can't get motivated by um... – acknowledging just what you said as far as having that big a difference in people's lives. I mean, there's some, there's a lot of jobs where you're, you just dig into trying, am I making a difference? Is this significant? Am, am I helping society in any way? Uh, I think in our profession, it's pretty hard not to see that. And so it's, it's a rewarding profession and something that uh, you're right. We should not take for granted. It's a good point. Great. Well, Mike, this has been a really uh, interesting uh, conversation. I appreciate your time very much. Um, uh, wish you well and keep that passion going, and uh, uh, we'll see you at the next stop along the way. Awesome. Thanks for having me. Okay. Take care. Thank you for tuning in to another episode of Profiles in Leadership. To hear the entire series of interviews, search iTunes Podcasts for Profiles in Leadership with Steve Anderson. To view videos of many of my interviews, search YouTube for Profiles in Leadership with Steve Anderson. You can also visit my website, which is orange.coaching.com, and that's orange.coaching.com, and go to the Media Center, where all episodes of the video and podcast episodes are available. Mm-hmm.